I watch more Star Wars than I ever have. That was really cool when I went like that. You will be seated. All right. Thank you. Well, good morning. I, I had this thought at first service, and it's true for second service, but singing that song together and being in this place, like I can't actually think of somewhere else I'd rather be. So it's a, it's a privilege to worship together this morning. I wonder if you've had a similar experience this Christmas season that I had a week ago. A week ago, uh, it was Sunday, obviously, and we weren't very organized as a family, but there was a lot of things that needed to get done. Different stores we had to go to, different things we had to kind of finish and wrap up. And I found myself coming home from one store to realize and be told that I had forgotten something and needing to go back. So throughout the course of the afternoon, I had probably gone to seven stores, and, I'd, and, and the last round out, I had to hit a grocery store and I had to go to Osh. And so I decided to bring Henry, our five-year-old, with me. And something about the first five stores I went to, I had a little more patience, but maybe you've noticed... You can't really even go and get milk anymore without somebody asking you when you're, when you're ringing up if you want to donate to something, right? I mean, literally every store, even restaurants on the receipt, round up for charity, right? I mean, we are constantly being told about different charities and different opportunities and asked if we want to participate. And oftentimes the way you're asked, isn't it tricky sometimes? Like, so the ask at Osh was this, with Henry standing next to me, my seventh store, we're wrapping up this long day of errands. And the question posed to me as she gave me my total was, do you like children and want them to have a nice Christmas? (laughs) What do you, you're trapped in that moment, right? Because you know what's coming next. And in my tiredness, I said no. (laughs) And I swiped my card and and walked out. And as we're getting in the car, a five-year-old's like, dad, You said you didn't like children and you didn't want them to have a good Christmas. I said, you're right. You're getting nothing. I am tired of all this. You know this, right? We live in a time where this idea of being asked for something, we are around it so much that I think we're numb to it. Right, whether it's, it's a certain kind of cancer at a grocery store or about children or if it's somebody holding a sign or, or if you live in Pasadena or anywhere near, it's even common while you're pumping gas for somebody to approach you with a need. We are constantly surrounded by needs and charities and moments and opportunities where in that moment we have to decide, is this something I'm going to do? Does the guilt come over me in such a way to where I just do it so that I can be alleviated from the guilt or the conversation? We're going to talk about this 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 morning. Specifically, we're going to talk about giving and we're going to talk about money. And I want you to know no no pastor in the world wants to do this. Nobody wants to talk because here's the temptation that I hope we're going to just squash right here. The temptation might be that, that Jeff Mattisich has figured out how to honor God with every dollar and every cent in his life. And I'm going to show you my bank account and our visa bill, and you're going to see, you want to see what a man of God is and how he deals with his money? Madison has it figured out. Friends, there there can be nothing more from the truth. That this sermon, as I've prepared it the last few weeks, and especially the last couple days, has been so convicting at certain moments. It's also been really encouraging in certain parts. But I want you to know that we're in this journey together. And that we're all in this journey of figuring out how do we live like Jesus calls us to live. In fact, that's what being a Christian is about. Being a Christian is is just simply saying, I want to live the way Jesus taught about and tells us to live. 
And oftentimes we really kind of in church, we kind of skate over the things about money. But it's all over the Bible. In fact, it's one of the most talked about subjects throughout the entire scripture. So this morning as we read the words of Jesus, they're not my words. They're his words. And we're in this together. And let's pray that God meets us, encourages us where we need to be encouraged, but challenges us where we need to be challenged. Will you join me in prayer? God, be with us this morning in this place. Speak to us. Help our lives look like the very life that Jesus talks about. Encourage us where we need to be encouraged. But God, I pray for myself and each person in this room that we leave different than when we came, leaving with the opportunity to honor you and to live like you tell us to live more clearly. We pray these things in your name. Amen. We're going to be in Matthew chapter 6. So if you brought a Bible or you want to grab a pew Bible or turn on your your smartphone with your app, Matthew chapter 6, it is not going to be on the screen and we're not going to stand because we're going to move really through the entire chapter together this morning. Let me give you some background on what's happening in Matthew 6. Matthew 6 is, is the middle chapter of the longest single teaching of Jesus recorded. That teaching, that sermon, is called the Sermon on the Mount which takes up chapter 5, 6, and 7 of Matthew. Three chapters, longest recorded, single teaching of Jesus. If you're familiar with the Sermon on the Mount, you'll know that the Sermon on the Mount really moves around a lot of different subjects. And so Jesus talks about murder, and he talks about adultery, and he talks about divorce, and he talks about revenge, and he talks about how to deal with enemies. He is moving from subject to subject to subject, and if you read it through, it really does feel like Jesus is a little bit all over the place. But, but you have to remember, the audience that was listening to Jesus were people very familiar with what we call the Old Testament. His primary group of people he taught were Jewish people, Jewish religious people, people who were very familiar with the Scriptures. And Jesus at the time was a rabbi. He was known as a rabbi. And a rabbi during that time had their own interpretations of, of what we call now the Old Testament, of, of the Torah the first five books of the Bible, it would be common for a rabbi to have their own interpretations and those set of teachings and those set of beliefs that the rabbi had, they were called that rabbi's yoke. And so what we have in the Sermon on the Mount essentially is Jesus' yoke, Jesus' set of teachings, his set of interpretations, his set of understandings on how we are to live out this life with God and this faith in God. And so it has a very rabbinic kind of posture. But in chapter 6, how it begins, we're going to read something about the acts of righteousness. And you'll see that in quotes in your Bible. And the acts of righteousness, again, this would have been very familiar to the people that were listening to Jesus. Because the acts of righteousness were the three acts of Jewish piety. the, The three acts of Jewish devotion. The way that a Jewish person knew that they were on track, the way they were committed, the way they were, they would be committed to three particular things. One, to almsgiving, charity, to giving, uh, to prayer, and to fasting. And so when we pick up in chapter 6, Jesus is teaching the first three things he teaches about our giving, about prayer, and about fasting. And there's a theme throughout all three of those that we're going to look at. So... Matthew chapter 6, we'll be in first 1. Jesus says, Be careful not to do your acts of righteousness before men, to be seen by them. If you do, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. 
So when you give to the needy, do not announce it with trumpets as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets to be honored by men. I tell you the truth. They have received their reward in full. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing so that your giving may be in secret. Then your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. We'll just stop there for a moment. See, Jesus launches out to a Jewish audience who is probably committed to giving to the needy, giving and and prayer and fasting, and he calls out something that was true back then that is just as true for you and I today, and it's this. is that religious people, Christians, good, committed church people, it is so easy for us to get the motivation mixed up. It is so easy for us to want to do committed things for God, but really it's for our own reputation. Really what drives us down deep is to be honored by men. Is that we would give and give in such a way that it adds to our own personal reputation. We want to be known as people who are religious by other men and oftentimes our motivation's mixed up and what should be for God is about what other people think. See, that temptation is so true for us today that oftentimes when we give, we really care what people think about that. We really care if people recognize us as a generous person, as somebody who gives, as somebody who can provide. It's just so easy. That's why when Jesus says this, there's a, there's a purity, there's an intimacy. When he says, when you give, don't even let your right hand know what your left hand is doing. You see that? Jesus is calling his hearers and he's calling you and I today to be the kind of givers who give with intimacy. First point. First point is to be an intimate giver. Jesus calls out the human tendency that when we give, we want to feel good about it. We want people to know. We want to be recognized for it. We want it to add to the way people think of us. And Jesus is saying, no, no, no. Be an intimate giver. In fact, that intimacy is going to continue. Many of you know this scripture. When he talks about prayer, he says this. He goes, when you pray, don't go on the street corners and use really fancy words so that other people will say, hey, that person's really good at prayer. But instead, go to a closet. Be alone. And this is how you pray. And he gives us the Lord's Prayer. And then about fasting. He says, when you fast, don't draw a lot of attention to yourself. You know, the, you know I don't, shocker, I don't fast that often. Um, But I know there's two kinds of people that fast. There's the kind of people who fast and you don't know they're fasting. And then there's the people who are like, I can't have that right now. I'm fasting. Right? And you're like, well, I'm a loser. Right? So, right? Because the human tendency is to do these things that are supposed to be in devotion to God, but to get human recognition for them. Our motivation gets mixed up. And Jesus calls his followers to be intimate givers, to be pure at giving. Have you ever been the recipient of pure and intimate giving? I I have. I had been at Lake for about three months. And I think I gave a message to the junior high group about how much I like to cook. And how when I go home, it's my favorite because then I can use my parents' barbecue because where I live I don't have a barbecue. And surely like two weeks later I show up home one day and there's just a barbecue sitting there. No note, no 
no recognition. It wasn't for months later till one of the, 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 the children of this family kind of leaked it that his parents and his family had given me that barbecue. See, that, that's a giver who didn't let his right hand know what his left. There was no, there was no human acknowledgement for me who did that for me. Or the, the number of people who come up to me at this church and hand me a check and say, make sure a kid can get to camp. Do you want them to write you thank you? No, no don't even want them to know who did it. See, that kind of intimacy, that kind of intimate giving is the life that God has called us to. But right, we're human. We want people to know. In fact, maybe you're, you're a little advanced and you're fine if other people don't know, but a lot of us sure want to make sure one group of people know, and it's the United States government. Right? Because we want to be able to get a benefit from that giving. I just wonder, and I don't think it's unlikely that in my lifetime, that benefit will go away. What will that do to the giving of churches? I know a lot of people who only give to the benefit, to the maximum that they can deduct. I'm telling you, when Jesus was preaching this sermon, there was no benefit to giving to the needy from the government. This was an oppressed people. This was a people not in power. There was no write-off at the end of the year. Friends, we have to be the kind of people who are intimate givers, the kind of pure givers that Jesus calls us to be. So Jesus, after he talks about how to give, how to pray, how to fast, which is the same thing, this intimacy, do these things for God. Don't do them for yourself or for your reputation or for acknowledgement from the public. Do not do it for that. He moves into another teaching where he says this in verse 19, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and rust do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And this is the eye, verse 22, The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are good, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. And then the light within you is darkness. How great is that darkness? No one can serve two masters either. Hate one and love the other. You cannot, you cannot serve God in money. This, again, seems like one of those jumps, like what Jesus is first talking about, this kind of possessions and how we should view them, and we shouldn't be the kind of people who our lives are about gathering more stuff or more property or things that can be stolen or things that will rot or things that won't last, but be the kind of people that, that we, we go after things that are kingdom things, things that can't be stolen, things that can't be destroyed, things that won't fade. Don't spend your life being the kind of person who just hoards up stuff for yourself. No, be the kind of person who builds up treasures in heaven. And then it jumps to this conversation about having good eyes and bad eyes. See, at that time, uh, kind of the language of the time, the saying of the time in, in the Jewish tradition was, if you were someone who was generous, you were someone known to have a good eye. If you were a stingy person, you were known as somebody who had a bad eye. So now listen to it in that context. The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are good, if you are generous, your whole body will be full of light and life. But if you're stingy, your whole body will be full of darkness. It's a call not just to be an intimate giver that we see in the first part of 6, but now Jesus is, is bumping up the giving conversation to being a generous giver. Jesus is calling his followers to be the kind of people who have good eyes. 
The kind of people who are aware of what's around them and the needs around them and who are looking for opportunity to be that blessing in this world, to be the kind of people who don't just simply give at the minimum, but the kind of people who dream about giving at the maximum. This is where it's been convicting for me. Because here's how I function. Jenny and I are so committed to this church, and we are regular givers of this church. And I think we do a, a, a fairly good job. Because we are so committed to Lake Avenue Church and there's a good amount of our giving that goes here, it is so easy for me to say this to myself. Because we are faithful to our giving at Lake Avenue Church, we've done it. We're good. We've made it. And that is a minimum kind of mentality. To feel like, I've already done that, like we're full, and that doesn't leave room sometimes for for us to be spontaneous or to be moved by the Spirit to do incredible things. Now, that stuff does happen. But once you've been a recipient of somebody's generosity, you want to be that kind of generous person too. Friends, you are a part of a church or you're visiting a church that has been built on on, on the followers and the members of this church not settling for the minimum. There are buildings that were, people have taken second mortgages out on their home to pay for buildings. There have been ceremonies to raise money for debt so that we can be free from it. There have been campaigns. You can look at the history of this church and you can read about it, that there have been parts of this church that have been funded in full before we broke ground. You're part of a church and I'm a part of a church that has been built on the followers and the members in front of us saying we are not going to settle for a minimum commitment, but we are going to be maximum kind of people. In my own life, I've experienced the maximum in so many incredible ways from people. I'm so tempted in this sermon to kind of go through the different individuals and families who have just added surprise and and, and provision for our family at different times. Uh, But there's one story in particular. It's actually not a Lake Avenue church person, but it's a follower of Jesus. I was in my last year of college at Azusa Pacific, and I had taken out student loans uh, for a little bit, and my, my parents were as helping, help, helpful as they could be. But during that last year, I was going to have to take out a significant amount for loans. And I wasn't worried about it, because I was going to be a pastor, and I was going to be loaded anyway, so it was fine, <laughs> right? But at dinner with my friend and his parents, who are, who are uh, of the wealthier um, family, it came up at dinner one night about how much I was taking out. And I said, you know, for me to finish school, I'm going to have to take out about $22,000 worth of of loans. And I just kind of left it that. Honestly, it didn't bother me. It was just part of my reality and story. But the next day I got a phone call from the dad of that family who said, you know, we were talking last night and we would like to um, pay for your last year of college and then you can pay us back at no interest as much as you can over the next 10 years after graduation. So this guy went with me to Azusa Pacific, wrote a $22,000 check, and then the message back to me was, as I can, I can pay him back at no interest. So for the first four years after school, I, we'd send $50 checks or 100 as much as we could until we paid that off. See, I know what it's like to be on the end of ridiculous generosity. And we hear stories about a time when this church where we, we, we had the money in the bank before we did certain things, and we hear even my story of somebody writing a check for a whole year of college to... And, and, and we, we like those stories, and I just want you to know I think those stories still need and do happen. There are plenty of you, plenty of you in this room 
who could do that for a college student. There are plenty of you. There are plenty of you. If you can't do that, they can pay for some books for a semester for a college kid or pay somebody's car payment or pay for somebody's groceries ahead of you when they're fumbling and it's not working or the credit card got denied to pick that up. There is plenty of opportunity, I believe, that the Spirit puts in our lives to be that ridiculously generous person. But I know this. I know that Jesus understands what it's like to be human because what fights against being that kind of generous person is directly what's before it. It's that if our focus is about gathering up stuff for ourselves... If the the drive in our life is to make sure we have more things and more property and more clothes and more toys and more vacations and more cars, and if it's about stuff, we will not have the margin to think about other people. Jesus knows us. He so knows us, he puts it right there. He goes, don't be the kind of people who spend your life building up your own empire. Be about the kingdom. Be about things that can't be measured. And when you do that, be generous. Friends, we are called to be intimate givers. We're called to be generous givers. But the materialism around us and the drive to build our own kingdoms will get in the way of us being that kind of blessing and that kind of generous person. In fact, it even says, it closes this section, Jesus says you can't serve two masters. You can't serve God and money. It doesn't work. Friends, I'll tell you this. This is not about a dollar amount. Don't hear the $22,000 story and go, this is, if you don't have that, this doesn't apply. This is actually, this is about, yes, it's about time. I'll tell you this, though. It's not not about money. This is about us redirecting and reorienting our life to be the kind of people who have good eyes, who see the needs around us and are aware of what's happening around us that we can be used by the Holy Spirit to be a blessing to somebody's life, to be a blessing to this church. And I'll tell you this. When you listen to God and you are used this way, it it might seem scary and awkward at first, but there is no better way to live. There is no better way to live than to be the kind of person who has a good eye and is able to be Jesus to somebody in a moment. So we see that we're called to be intimate givers, we're called to be generous givers, but finally, because again, Jesus knows what it's like to be human, we are called to be trusting givers. I mean, look at the progression of chapter 6. Again, this, again, this just screams to me that Jesus totally understands the human experience. Because essentially the way the argument goes is, uh, be a person who gives. Be a person who gives, prays, and fasts. Do those things. But as you do those things, you're going to be so tempted to get attention for them and to, be, to go for your own reputation in those things. You're going to be tempted to do it. So when you do them, do them for God and not for man. And then he says, and when you do those things, don't be stingy. Be a generous person. Don't build up your own kingdom. Be a blessing. Don't hold back. Be generous. But what follows when you and I get tempted to be generous, what follows for most of us most of the time is this anxiety. If I am generous, if I give that person that, what about... And listen to Jesus. Therefore I tell you, verse 25, don't worry about your life, what you're going to eat or drink, about your body, what you will wear, Is not life more important than food or the body more important than clothes? 
Look at the birds of the air. They don't sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Who of you by worrying can add a single hour to his life? Do you get this, right? When we get tempted to be that generous, that ridiculously generous person, often what will follow is, but what about me? What about my family? What about my kids? We're supposed to go on vacation. We're supposed to go out to that nice dinner. We've been saving for this. Jesus understands, and he is saying to you and to me the same thing he is saying here. When you give generously, give with trust. Trust me. You don't need to worry. I will take care of you. I mean, surely if, if the birds aren't worrying about it, why are you worrying about it? The birds I take care of, you don't think I'm going to take care of you? Don't worry about what you're going to eat, what you're going to drink, what you're going to wear. But that is what it's like for us to be human. I remember when, I didn't grow up in a, a time or in a church context where we ever talked about this. And I was at Lake Avenue Church, and, and, and there was a sermon preached up in the warehouse by Brian Loretz. Maybe us remember Brian. And he had a table up front, and on that table he had different bags from representing different things that he paid for in a month. So there was a a bag from Ralph's for groceries. There was a bag for his, his rent and his mortgage and insurance. There was a bag for movies and for uh, food and, and, and then recreation and all kinds of things. And, and what he did at the time was he said when he started trusting God with his money, here's what it looked like. And he put on the board his salary, what he was bringing home at this particular church. And then he just started going, well, I roughly spent 200 in groceries a month. And then my rent and everything, that was, you know, $1,000. And you would see the number keep coming down. And the last bag, the last two bags, one bag was for Kenneth Cole, a shoe company. And the last bag was an offering plate at the church. He said, but I had to have my Kenneth Coles. I had to have my shoes. So, cha-ching, $100. And what was left on the screen was $15. And he said something that forever changed my life. He said, I was giving Kenneth Cole more money than the creator of the universe. And I, I was convicted. Now, I didn't have Kenneth Cole's shoes, but I had my other places. And I had to be honest and go, you know what? For me, giving is an afterthought. It's not a forethought. Giving is the kind of thing like, oh, I'm in church, here come the plates, what do I have on me? Versus me being the kind of person who said, here's what I've got, here's the month ahead, how will I honor God with this money? And Brian taught me a valuable lesson in that sermon. And there have been so many people who have lived that in front of me to where I get it a little bit more now than I did 15 years ago. But I know this, when I first started giving, I was in this worry category. But if I give God that, how am I going to get that shirt and I've really wanted to eat at that particular restaurant. Or how will I, and fill in the blank, because as humans, our tendency is to turn everything back to ourselves and to worry about ourselves. And Jesus is calling us to a very different way of living. A way of living that says, no, actually others, and how you give back to me and to a church, all of that is way more important than yourself. And your, your starting point it can't be an afterthought, it needs to be a forethought. I'll tell you this, being a few years into this trusting God, I can tell you that being the kind of person who honors God with their money, or is trying to, 
being the kind of person who leaves margin to, to have that good eye, to be a blessing to people, is better than any meal I could buy and better than any shirt I could purchase. There's a way of living that Jesus is talking about here that when you live it, it is so good. But I know that so often the last thing that often us as Christians really give over to God, I mean, we'll give Him our past, we'll give Him our Sunday mornings, we'll, we'll serve Him, but oftentimes for so many people, the last thing that we give to God and trust Him with is our finances, is our money. And I want to tell you, Jesus says at 33, He says, but seek first His kingdom and His righteousness, and all these things, they'll be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Friends, Jesus is talking about a way of daily living, of trusting him, and it is good. So how do we apply this? How would we bring this kind of teaching? And and I've thought a lot about it, and I think there's three things that God's really impressed on me. First, is I believe wholeheartedly that there are people here this weekend who have not begun the journey of trusting God with you're giving. That for whatever reason, you're more like I was, where when that plate comes by, it's, what do I have on me? And how do we kind of get to the minimum? In fact, we have statistics to kind of like, you know, know how that is. And that's in every church. There are plenty of us who haven't begun that journey. And maybe what God is saying to you today is for 2014, it's going to be a different kind of year because you're going to trust God with this part of your life. And you're going to see how he takes care of you. He's going to see how he turns you from being someone who has anxiety about it to somebody who lives with freedom about it. So maybe some of you this morning, it's about beginning that lifestyle of giving. And maybe for some of you, it's more like me, is that there seems to be this valve on a lot of us who, who, who are pretty consistent with understanding how to give to a church, but there's this valve of the minimum versus the maximum. Like that we've already met that requirement, so I'm good. And that kind of attitude, that kind of belief prevents us from being open to what the Holy Spirit wants to do in us. Because I'll tell you what, as much as it's a sacrifice to give, to make that minimum, I can still give away more to be that blessing. And like I said, you will never know what it's like to be the... If you don't know what it's like, you, you, many of you know this, don't, that came out wrong. What it's like to sit with a 19-year-old and to say, we've got your books this semester... Just let us know how much that is. Or what's your car insurance? We have a little extra this month. We'll take care of your car insurance this month. That way of living is so good. So maybe for some of us, it's, it's kind of taking that valve off the minimum and being open to the maximum, to dream, and to be faithful to have the Holy Spirit, to be the kind of people with good eyes who are aware of those around us and looking for opportunities to be that blessing. But probably the most tangible way is as of 8 o'clock this morning... Um, we need about $500,000 in three days to make our church budget. And I promise you this isn't related. If, if, we, if we were smart, we would have done the sermon and then the offering after. But it's, it's not about that. But it's not not about that. And so I'm going to ask that you join me and Jenny in praying tonight, specifically today and tonight, what God might be saying to you and to me about what our year-end giving might look like. Again, not so that everybody knows what we gave. We want to be those intimate givers. But I also want to be that generous giver. 
And I'll tell you, this church is crazy because that number is huge to all of us, but that stuff happens all the time here. I certainly believe there, there are 500 people that are part of our church that could write a $1,000 check, and we could just cover it. I think there's a whole lot of more people who could write a $500 check or a $100 check or a $50 check or a $20 check. This is about us hearing from God and trusting him that as we give generously, that he will take care of us. So wherever you are in that spectrum, will you join me in prayer? God, thank you for the words of Jesus. Thank you that he so understands what it's like to be human. That he understands our tendencies to make our good deeds about ourselves. That he knows that we will aim for the minimum at times instead of obeying you to the maximum. And God, that he knows us so well to know that when we get that sense from you that we are to be generous, that what often follows is anxiety about how we are going to be okay. God, wherever each one of us are in this or somewhere else, we pray that you would speak to us, that we would trust you, and that you would blow us away with what you want to do in our lives. This isn't about a church budget. You know that, Father. This is about our lives honoring you. But God, I do pray. I do pray that a year from now, that the conversation would be, we'd have a special prayer meeting because we're $500,000 over budget. And we need to hear what you want us to do with that money to bless the world you created. Turn us into that kind of giving church, God. Thank you for the foundation and the so many who are that to this place. We pray for more of us to serve you and to love you in that way. Amen.